Welcome to the Addiction Connection. We like to believe the opposite of addiction is actually connection, and we are going to attempt to educate you and possibly even entertain you while we navigate all topics addiction. Hi, I'm Dr. Kirk Devine. And I'm Dr. Heather Bell, and we both provide primary care and addiction services. It's our goal to help you learn more about the disease of addiction and its treatments. Well, welcome back to everybody. Today, we're doing something a little bit different. This was actually an echo that we did previously, one of our presentations on Tianeptine. Basically, and we've done several, you know, really exciting friends with Dr. Mananaska and then Judge Florkey. So we thought we'd educate you on something else. So different drugs. And actually, we, we actually came across this particular substance because we had a community that we that we work with and help and uh, have, have uh, mentored a bit that had a number of patients who were getting this medication off the internet and uh, uh, that kind of spurred our interest. And as we've talked to other addiction physicians, uh, some have seen this, some have not. Yeah, it's not super common yet. So TNFTN is actually a medication that originally was marketed as an antidepressant. And uh, it was actually in 15 different European uh, countries um, as well as 66 other countries worldwide Yeah. for this, should we name it? Yeah. Can we name the marketing name? Coaxel or Stab- Stablon? Yeah, Stablon. And so it, it kind of went a couple different ways. It's, uh, it was, it's actually been around for a while. And uh, the online marketing was rather interesting as we looked into this particular medication that, again, is used in Europe. It is something that's uh, thought to uh, kind of boost your working memory and uh, and maybe improve your mental clarity. That's kind of the way different places that market it to the U.S., uh, um, you know, off, you know, not through physicians, uh, through online buying. Uh, so this is a way to really make your brain work, apparently. But So when you Google improve mental clarity. Yeah, there you go. It's T-I-A-N-E-P-T-I-N-E, just in case you don't know. So the history of this is it was actually discovered uh, back in the 1960s by the French Society of Medical Research. And for many, many years as this medication was, uh, again, originally looked at as being used as an antidepressant, the mechanism of action was completely unknown. So that's kind of one of those red flags. (laughs) One, this seems like a medication that's way too good to be true. And two, if you don't really know how it works, a little bit scary. A little scary. So So really, when you looked at this... um, We'll talk first a little bit about its metabolism of this particular drug. It's actually uh, oxidized. Uh, one of the side chains is actually oxidized. And so 66% of this particular drug is eliminated by your kidneys. It's a fairly short-acting one if you look at some of the different antidepressants that we use, the SSRIs, with, uh, for instance, like fluoxetine, have very long half-lives. The half-life of this is just 2.5 hours. So as an antidepressant, uh, obviously this is something you'd have to take pretty frequently. And uh, fortunately, it doesn't cause much trouble with the liver. Typically, it's uh, there's no adjustments really for liver, liver failure. But it does have a number of toxicities. But kind of like everything marketed in the U.S. for opioids, and this is questionable in opioid, we'll get to that, is that, you know, it was marketed as very rare side effects or complications or toxicities. It was actually initially felt to only be it's common as less than 0.3% of the time would you actually have a complication. So once again, red flag. Yeah, and I believe that some of that was actually from research that was done by the company. And interestingly, I think if you look at the toxic toxicity, 
one of the toxicities uh, noted with uh, dosing at higher levels was respiratory depression and death. Hmm, sounds familiar. Yeah, and so I I guess if I was a a researcher and I saw that, I'd be wondering exactly why a particular drug that they kind of thought might be like an SSRI in the way it worked, how how would that cause respiratory depression and death? Can I ask a question about this? Just because to me it's so weird that it is an antidepressant that also causes respiratory depression is marketed as improve mental clarity and improve, you know, boost your working memory. That just seems like uppers to me, but yet it causes you to slow down to like not breathe and die. Yeah. And again, that's why it's marketed online in the dark web to, you know, get it here. And that's the stuff that's uh, really on Reddit too. When you look up what's on Reddit, Uh, lots of different people using it for different reasons. And of course, Reddit would be the, you know, the purveyor of all things knowledgeable. It's Wikipedia for drugs. Yes. So, the mechanism in action was really the big thing. What is the mechanism? And and that's something that nobody really could understand. And actually, that first reported mechanism, they thought that this was different than an SSRI in that it increased serotonin reuptake, the opposite of an SSRI. Again, that just makes no sense at all. And so as this research came out, how could it cause an antidepressant effect if it did the complete opposite of an SSRI? And uh, and I think that that's really what got the got people thinking. But see, what's interesting is this, you know, first got actually discovered and patented, like you said, in the 60s. But finally, in ni- 1914, 2014, more articles came out. Yeah. There was an article in 2014 called The Atypical Antidepressant and Neurorestorative Agent Tineptine is a Mu Opioid Receptor Agonist. Well, that's scary. So basically what this this showed was that the, there's actually mu activation and this was likely kind of that initial molecular event of this of this particular medication. Uh they also felt that it had some delta receptor uh, uh excitement and and may indirectly kind of modulate glutamate which of course is excitor, excitatory. So maybe so, that's the whole boosting. Yeah, the boosting thing as opposed to the mu activation which is of course a opioid issue. So mm. Interestingly, uh, they they said in this article, our data is also in agreement with the growing evidence regarding the importance of the opioid system in depression, anxiety, and stress-related disorders. And I think really what they're trying to say is, I think this is an opioid. Right, Right, but I think they also kind of acknowledge with that is that maybe all the opioids do have some impact on depression, anxiety, and stress, which we know because... Your chilled lay back, calmed out, you know, and on all of our patients that we've met with uh, opioid use disorder, they kind of really didn't have issues with depression and anxiety while they were using actively. Yeah. So then uh, some people basically came out with their next little paper and said, and it was actually called Tineptine, an atypical pharmacological approach to depression. And I quote, it says, a noteworthy fact is that Tineptine, despite its affinity for those, for these receptors, did not cause tolerance. It did not lose its efficacy after continued treatment or physical de- or cause physical dependence, as after suppression or administration of naloxone with no withdrawal, withdrawal syndrome was observed. These two characteristics clearly differentiate tineptine from the other opioids, such as morphine. Mm. So mm. drug manufacturers maybe came out with that one. Yeah, and there was a bit of a conflict of interest when you looked at this paper that uh, one of the C. C. Alamo basically said he'd collaborated in studies and training and information through presentations at Scientific Advance for Healthcare Workers. And, of course, these were sponsored by 
a number of drug companies, including the one uh, that produced Teneptine. And of course, the, one of the other authors uh, worked at the medical department of uh, Exceltis Healthcare. Uh, the other authors actually had no conflict of interest uh, to declare, but uh, again, two of these were actually uh, working for this particular drug company. But shortly after that, uh, a paper came out uh, and basically uh, said, uh, why has it not been classified as a narcotic, narcotic in Spain? Well, I think this quote is interesting because they basically say that it's a new drug in Spain, but it's raised numerous issues elsewhere for years. But Spain kind of said, eh, it's new here. And compared to the other antidepressants, it doesn't have any advantages and efficacy or convenience. So it's almost like Spain took the approach that, well, who cares? No one's going to use it anyway because the things that we know about are here yeah. anyway. So we're just going to stick with those. Yeah, it's no better. It's got to be dosed frequently. And there's this whole risk of, is it a narcotic as raised by the people in Spain? Um and so really the summary of this letter that they wrote about this particular drug was, um, you know, they said, basically said that the, the previous paper saying that this was, uh, this was definitely not uh, related to the opioids. Uh, no, that's not true. Right. Uh, they came out and said basically uh, this is a medication that acts like an opioid and it should be thought of that way. But one of the manufacturers was actually Exaltis, like you had mentioned, and this actually is a drug company in Spain. So again, back to the whole conflict of interest thing, that that's there. Yeah. So we go back to Reddit. Yeah, and so uh, to my knowledge, I believe it's still being used there. And again, we got involved with it more just because it started showing up in Minnesota as a as a medication that people were using for and as an antidepressant, anti-anxiety medicine, buying it over the internet. Um, and of course, Reddit, again, the source of all knowledge, uh, if you dig around on there, you actually can find out why people are using this and how they're using it. And it's interesting because there's different types of teneptine, and uh, some are more short-acting, the sodium, the teneptine sodium, uh, just a couple, two and a half hour, as we talked about, half-life, as opposed to the sulfate, uh, which is much longer-acting, like seven and a half hours uh, of half-life but i think when you break down on reddit and i'll let you obviously go through all this because it's interesting but when you break it down on reddit you have these people basically who post on reddit who are people who have used these substances so they're saying they kind of go on reddit explain the substance where they got it what does it feel like so it's it's obviously not a you know jama or any kind of like a pubmed this is just people posting kind of like a, a blog site but I think it's super interesting what you found as far as the dosing. Yeah. So interestingly, if you look at the dosing on teneptine, um, if people are taking anywhere from 10 to 15 milligrams of this, uh, people on Reddit describe this as kind of a mood enhancer, uh, that generally they didn't feel impaired, and that uh, it was almost an immediate antidepressant effect. Sounds like an opioid to me. Um, but if you get in that higher range is where you're getting 50 to 60 milligrams a day, often pe people feel sedated, uh, and some people commented that, in fact, it impaired the, their ability to drive. Mm. Uh, again, that's not like fluoxetine. Uh, and lastly, when you look at the high doses, uh, often people commented at, and read it that uh, they, quote, nodded off, unquote. Sounds and, also familiar. Oh, that sounds familiar. And had vivid dreams. Uh, so, so again, uh, you know, our whole purpose for talking about this today is is that we assume that if you are taking care of patients who have addiction in any setting, uh, that you may run across this uh, medication. You need to understand that um, that it does act awful 
lot like the opioids. Now, well, and I think it's like anything on the internet. If you Google, you're able to find what you want to hear. You're able to find things that are anti what you want to hear. And I mean, again, Reddit is a well-known post and someone's going on and thinking I need something that's a mood enhancer and they only see that, okay, this is the dose, but they don't necessarily see it higher doses. It's, it can be scary, especially when you do the next quote. Yeah. One of the posts I found was interesting. Uh, somebody said, uh, boy, the, the tolerance is quick. It kills your ability to feel any other opioid and it kills the effectiveness of Kratom 100%. Uh, and of course, Kratom is a upcoming talk that we're going to be doing a podcast on that. So stay uh, tuned. Yeah, Kratom is one that we see with some frequency. I've just got a newer Kratom patient just in the last few weeks. Uh, so that's a really common uh, substance that we also see abused that acts very similar. And so you have to assume that if uh, if it really blunts your ability to fill the other opioids and, and Kratom, that this is really acting like a mu receptor uh, agonist. So important to understand that. So when you look at the recommended doses, the prescribed doses, the doses like Kurt just mentioned um, gave you the, the positive effects, you're still going to have some side effects. And, and what you're going to notice, the nausea, constipation, headache, dizziness, again, all similar things to to opioids. You know, a person who uses opioids after a surgery, they get nauseous sometimes. They get the constipation. Some get headaches. I mean, these are very similar side effects when taking even at the recommended doses. Yeah. And I think that really when you when you use these at high dose, um, in fact, they will mimic, mimic uh, opioid overdose. And uh, I think there's been a fair number of cases of that. And interestingly, in, in a bit of a different twist to what uh, some of the uh, writings from some of the physicians who apparently did the studies on this for the company that's producing it, uh, there has been naloxone... Uh, that has been shown to be effective in reversing this overdose. So again, tolerance has been found to be very common. Uh, there have been cases of uh, basically NAS uh, in in infants uh, after delivery. So, well, and that's I think how we heard about it the first time is that this baby totally was reacting like now, as we call it now, neonatal opioid withdrawal syndrome. But you know, mom did not have anything in her system that was detectable by urine drug screens, and so. They, that's kind of how we thought about it. And finally, you know, this particular patient had kind of explained what she had been taking. And then that's where we kind of dove in deeper with this TNFTN. Yeah. Which brings up another point, though, with it, which isn't on any of these slides, is that TNFTN, you can't get a drug screen for it. No. There are some national labs, basically, even our best friend toxicologist, Dr. Beth Bilden from Essentia, is like, good luck. Um, so, this is a hard one to screen for, but it's definitely something like you had mentioned earlier, Kurt, about if you're an addiction provider or a person that does a lot of this kind of work, it's something to you, you need to know about, so you at least need to know to ask about it. Yeah. I mean, often, if, especially we'll ask people if you're taking any over-the-counter medications for any other issues, and if they say, oh, yeah, I'm taking this stuff that I'm getting from China or wherever. Amazon. Or from Europe that I'm getting on Amazon, uh, which even Kratom up until uh, a while back was available that way. Uh, you got to know that this this can act like an opioid. Well, and I think it's important, though, to be sure when you are asking and inquiring about these things to do what you just said over the counter. People think it's an herbal. I'm just taking some herbal thing to help with my memory boosting. And so it's important to... Yeah, what is it? <laughs> yeah, and, and again, so everything that we have found, and I'll be honest, the amount of literature available 
here is very low. Uh, even when I uh, gave this talk uh, six or eight months ago, uh, from then till now, there's really nothing new that I've been able to find about this particular drug. And, and in fact, the group that we were working with treated it just like they would have with Kratom or any other opioid and used uh, Suboxone, uh, which worked wonderfully. And although I don't think there's uh, any real studies uh, doing that, uh, that's really been what uh, uh, some of the other people have uh, been using. And I think much like we've done with Kratom, uh, which again we will uh, be talking about at a later time. So so Tineptine is something to kind of keep in the back of your mind. And uh, this is uh, one of our shorter podcasts. Uh, it's kind of nice to do one quick one that people can kind of just hear about it and well, and I think a lot of people who perhaps listen to our podcast that I've talked to are really into like the history things and the weird things and the the things that you just don't hear about. And again, this is one of those cool things you can say, hey, I know about this drug. Make you look smart if you're a medical student and you pull this one out. Well, it could be tempting. Although I did have a, a patient who's new to the program the other day and I was asking about other opioids, you know. Have you used heroin? Have you used methadone? Have you used kratom? No, 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 no. Well, just, you know, the heroin. Well, have you used tenemptine? Well, I don't know what that is. All right. They're like, don't tell me what it is. Yeah. <laughs> like, they don't want to know. Yeah. All right. So um, thank you for listening, and we will move on to Battle Legs and let them uh, finish things up. We will see you again or talk to you again next week. Next week, nicotine. Like the opposite of known substance versus tenemptine. All right, thank you very much. Well, it's all for me, Grog, me jolly, jolly Grog. It's all for my beer and tobacco. For I spent all me tin with the lassies drinking gin. Far across the western ocean I must wander. Where are me boots, me nugget, nugget boots? Shirt, me nugget, nugget shirt. It's all gone from beer and tobacco. And the color is all worn. The sleeves they all are torn. The tails are looking out for better weather. And it's all for me, God. Jolly, jolly, God. It's all for my beer and tobacco. For I spent all me tail with the lassies drinking gin. Far across the western ocean, I must Head, and I haven't been to bed since I first.